Right. Morning, church. We are in Luke this morning, chapter 6. So let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, we just come before you in Jesus' name. And Father, we just want to thank you for loving us, Father. Thank you for giving us comfort when we need it. Thank you for blessing us, Lord Jesus. Father, I just uh, we just want to lift up those families in Florida. They're just broken, Lord God. But we know that uh, you are a healer of the broken and a comforter to those who are mourning. Father, I just pray that you will surround these families, Lord God, with your mercy, love, and grace, that the community there would... Uh, Gather around these families, Lord God, and, and help them in, in this, this tragic time, Father. And Lord Jesus, uh, for this morning, Lord, I just pray that uh, your message uh, spoken through your vessel, Jackie, would come forth and speak to us individually, Lord God. That it would do the work uh, that it's set forth to do in all of our hearts individually, Lord God. That you would make us people that are able to walk in a manner worthy of the calling by which we are all called individually. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright guys, so again, Luke chapter 6. And we're going to start at verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For every sinner lends to sinners to receive as much back, but love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a ditch? A dis- A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? 
Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from bramble bush. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasures of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me, and hears my sayings, and does them, I will show you whom he um, is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep, and laid the foundations on the rock. And when the floods arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house, and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who, hear, who heard and did nothing is like the man who built his house on the earth, on earth without foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Pretty wild statement, no? Now, I've been chewing on it all week. I don't, I'm sure, I don't know about you guys. I chew on when when I get into the teachings of Jesus, they are so intense. And I want to, you know, the Bible tells us, let not many of you become teachers. Do you know why? Because one day I'm going to give account for what I taught. See, you guys are listeners. You'll give account for why you didn't do it. I'll give account for what I said. What did you say? Can you imagine, say, you're an English teacher. And you're teaching, you're teaching a course on Shakespeare. And then at the end of your class, Shakespeare comes in and tells how you did. Right? Pretty similar. When we come to this teaching on, on Jesus, so often we look at these and some others and... And uh, I don't know, sometimes it feels like we want to give ourselves a pass. So I'm not sure you got a pass here. I'm not sure that that's in the text. This whole paragraph, 27 through, 27 through what, 36, is all about loving your enemies, the whole thing. And I, I just want you to put yourself in the mind, because to get from loving your enemies to not judging, we, we have to rightly understand what we're talking about when we talk about love our enemies so when we look at that loving of our enemies we want to recognize in that paragraph every statement is about your enemy so i want you to get in your mind okay rome was oppressive uh the jews didn't have as much freedom as they wanted a roman soldier could come into your place of business at any time and say hey i i need uh you to give me protection money or next week, a bunch of Romans are going to come through and jack up the store. 
And Jesus is saying to them, give to those who ask it of you. It's in the tense. It's in the situation of an enemy. The one who asks you for a, your coat. Give him more. Give him your Give him your, your cloak also. He's saying, give more than what's asked for. Treat the enemy as though what he's asking you or what he's demanding of you, because at any moment he can take it, right? The idea is at any moment he can take it. So if he can take it anyways, just give it. And give it as though you're trying to honor or do him a favor. That you're trying to love him. That you're trying to bless him. Now for you and I, it's so arbitrary. It's hard for us to get that in our head. So I don't know who your enemy is. I don't know what people group. I don't know what prejudices you have. Just feel free to fill in the blank. That's the one you're supposed to give to. That's the one you're supposed to love. For us, we don't really have an oppressive regime, right? There's there's nobody out there demanding things from us. There's nobody out there. We're not going to walk out of church, have somebody meet us in a parking lot and say, hey, I need you to, to take this load I got on my horse and carry it. I'm tired of carrying it. Because Jesus would say, let him who asks you to go one mile do what? Go two. Love your enemies. And we talked a little bit about it last time because that is God's heart. See, the Bible says that you were once an enemy of God. If you don't have a relationship with Christ today, you're still an enemy of God. But then John 3.16 tells us God did what? God so... Not because the world loved Him first, right? While we were yet enemies with God, Christ died for us. And so what he's asking, what he's teaching in his teachings, and again, this is not just, I don't want to typify the sermon as, well, this is a sermon on the mountain, because I want you to understand, Jesus taught this over and over and over. He would go, and the more he would go, and the more places he would, he would visit, the more often he would sit down and talk to them. Hey, you got to love your enemies. And he could point across the street, and you could see a guy taking advantage of somebody else right there was oppressive. And Jesus saying, in the midst of this oppression, I want you guys to know that I want you to love them. I want you to recognize, I want you to recognize the heart of God and then recognize when you say I'm a disciple that you ought to reflect His heart. That heart goes past a political platform that heart goes past beyond all that in fact all that stuff just muddies it up don't it just wanting to learn i want to learn to to love my enemy i want to i want to learn to to see people the way god sees them now you might say well why why are we spending so much time on this because the next part is judge not how do i learn not to judge by learning to see people like god sees them I gotta learn to see him like God sees. I gotta learn to see who God sees. I, I just see the one who hurt me, the one who said something mean to me, the one who I don't like. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever the thing is, right? We 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 bring that with us, and then when we come to this next section and we and we take a look at what Scripture says in verse thirty-seven, judge not. I want you to recognize you're still you're still looking at the heart of God. 
In the first section we looked at last week, we talked about who are the blessed. Who are the blessed? Who are they? They're the ones who do these things. Blessed are the poor, right? Woe to the rich. Why? Because the poor know they have a need. The poor know that it's a beggar. The poor know they have a need. The rich sometimes, they don't know they have a need. So blessed are the ones who know they have a need, who know they need God. Those are the ones who are blessed. Who are the ones who are blessed? The ones who can learn to love their enemies. Because hatred doesn't rule their life. And this next section, verse 37, to the end of this chapter, as we look at it, this is all about how are you going to be judged. This is not about how you judge others, so don't, don't twist it. Otherwise, we're, we're ignoring half of the sentence, right? It says, judge not lest what? You be, condemn not lest you be condemned. Forgive if you want to be... Oh, this is not about them. Who's this about? This is about me. This is about my heart, my attitude, my issues. So we're in an oppressive world. We're looking at an oppressive government. Uh, you know, in the time when this is written, right? Rome, that nobody invited them. And, and, and those who did invite them, they stayed way past their time. Yeah, this is our country. Get out. No, nope, we're staying. We're, we're, gonna, we're calling the shots. So recognize in an oppressive regime, Jesus is saying, hey, your hearts are getting all jacked up by your hatred for your enemy. Anybody ever felt their heart get jacked up by their hatred of an enemy? Even if it's not another, just, just your neighbor. <laughs> right? Just whoever. It, it, it is damaging me. Not them. And we spend all our time worrying about, oh, God's going to get them, and God this. And, but all the while, God is saying, hey, bro, look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. Hear what it is I'm calling you to. I'm calling you. You. Not, don't give yourself a pass. Don't look at it and say, well, God's not talking to me here. I perfectly love my enemy. Uh, no way. We need him. We need him. So the first, we have three more paragraphs coming to the end of the chapter. And each one is going to give us a section on how we will be judged. The first one, how will we be judged on what we think? What we think. What we think, maybe what we think about others, what we think about ourselves. Let's look at how should we think. Verse 37, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So we ended that first section we read, right, on loving your enemy. It says, be merciful how? Like your Father in heaven is merciful. Now this next paragraph, how's it end? It ends with this idea. The same measure you use is going to be measured back. Take it back to the beginning. I don't want God's thoughts toward me to be my thoughts toward my enemy. Do you? When the scripture says judge not, it's literally being the judge. The word is krenito. It's, we're going we're gonna to see an example of it here in a moment. But the word it means to render verdict. To render a verdict, like a judge sitting at the table ready to render a verdict. He's saying, don't do that. 
Not your job. Well, it's not hard to see, God, if the Romans are wrong. Let's take it to today. God, it's not hard to see Israel's wrong, how they're treating the Palestinians. Or, well, it's not hard to see that the police officers are wrong in how they're treating black people. It's not hard to see. We can look at the evidence. We can look at the facts. We can make a judgment. God's saying, don't do that. Don't. Render verdict. I'm going to tell you why. Because you don't know. You think you know. I think I know. I sit down and figure, sometimes I think I've got the whole solution. i got it all worked out. And then I get hit with something, and I realize, I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer for what happened in, in Florida. We can throw around all the stuff everybody throws on Facebook. That's great, but that's not real. And trust me, if one of your kids was there, your whole attitude might be different. I can tell you this. There's nothing I wouldn't give up if it would mean not another kid wouldn't get shot. They can come have them all. I got a safe full. I don't know the answer. I don't know how to fix it. I just know man's been killing his brother since Genesis 4. And for me, the only cure for those things is Christ. Here's what I do know. I'm not going to judge one on one side or one on the other side of the argument. I'm not going to render verdict on them because I didn't come from their world or go through their struggles. I can't. I have a hard time seeing sometimes the other side, right? And then what do we do? Our nation is divided. It's it's the biggest heartbreak on earth. We're so divided, and it's. I don't care what they do. We ain't closer. We're not getting closer. We're getting more divided. We get more and more and more divided. More and more hatred. I can tell you where that ends. I read history books too. I know where that goes. All that scripture is laying out for us. Don't sit to render a verdict. Don't sit to render a verdict. 1 Corinthians 4 5, exact same word is used. 1 Corinthians 4 5, it's a scripture written to us by Paul, expounding on some of these concepts. Listen to what he says in verse 5. Listen. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment. Same exact word, form, the whole deal. Same exact. Do not pronounce judgment before the time. What's the time? Before the Lord comes. Who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness. Do we have it all? Do we know the answers? Who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his condemnation from God. God's the only one who knows it all. Nobody tells us all the information, guys. I, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't care which news organization you watch. Nobody's telling you it all. Nobody is. And so it's so difficult to render judgment because we don't get all the pieces. And even if we got all the pieces, then we don't have all the background. There's, I don't care, this situation, there's nobody in this entire situation that has occurred for you not to be heartbroken over. Heartbroken over a 19-year-old kid who just, wow, ruined his and so many other lives. Heartbroken over a system who can't stop it from happening. 
heartbroke over the pain of those who are going to who who live through it and are going to have to endure with what happened. Heartbroke over a classroom behind a closed door, listening to a girl on the other side crying. Open the door, let me in, but they're not allowed to open the door and let her in. I don't care what you do. There's no, there's so much wrong. There's plenty of blame to go around. God says, don't, don't render judgment because you don't have answers. Don't render condemnation. Don't bring condemnation. That's God's job, right? What is it that God's looking for from us? What is He asking for? What did He say in that earlier? Therefore, be merciful. How? As our Father in heaven is merciful, right? What is it he said? I desire mercy. I desire mercy. I desire mercy. And then we spend all our time trying to figure out why we don't have to be merciful to people. Why we don't have to be loving to people. Why we don't have to express the heart of God. Now, I'm not suggesting that we overlook sin in those clear lines. I'm just saying there's a lot that aren't clear. There's a lot. And God wants us to, to render, to lay those things with, down with Him. Who is the only righteous judge? Yeah, he's, when God says, I want you to render righteous judgment, that just means give it to the Lord. Because we're, we're, we struggle with the ability to comprehend and understand that which is truly righteous. Truly righteous. Hey, God wants us to be merciful. He who wants to put another man on trial is inviting God to put him on trial. Catch it. Judge not, lest ye not be judged. Condemn not, and you won't be condemned. Forgive, and what? And you will be forgiven. Setting a person free from their past obligations and recompense. Not just letting them loose. Let them loose and put them into the hands of God. And then what does he say? Give, and it will be given unto you. Give, and it will be given unto you. All of this is talking about life choices, a road, and where does that road go? The road of bitterness and anger and frustration and all those things that we can express, malice, all of that stuff, that's not a road of life. It doesn't go where we want to go, and Jesus isn't on it. Because Jesus doesn't express those things. Jesus rather expresses a way to life. So the way to life, I want to follow Christ. If I want to follow Christ, then these are some premium examples of how I do it. Premium examples of what happens. Why? Because, look, I, don't, I want the measure, the same measure you give will be given back. So if you're going to live a judgmental, hate-filled life... All God is saying is, when you stand before me, that's how I'm going to judge you. Who wants that? Who says, you know what, God, I want you to be a super extra critical to me, because I want to be critical to everybody else. And if you think that's what you want, trust me, that day you'll change your mind. God says, the same measure you give will be given back. So if you give... Positively, if you're giving those things that, like God is asking us to, right? Not being 
hypercritical, recognizing I may not have all the answers. I may not understand all the questions. I might get, I think this is what God's Word is saying, but, but I don't know all the pieces that are, are involved in your life. So I'm going to hold back, I'm going to withhold judgment over you. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to give. Because that's what I want. Isn't that what he started in that first paragraph that we read about loving your enemies? What's he saying? He's telling us to live by the golden what? So do unto others how? So when we live our lives, when we live our lives out, we should be thinking, how do I want God to judge me? Do I want Him to be as critical as I am about others? No, then I should change my attitude toward others. Even my enemy. You guys get what I'm saying? Same measure, it will be given to you. The same measure, it will be given. So I want to be generous. I don't want to go on trial. I want to give mercy. I want to give generosity. I want to give love. Because that's the way I want to relate to God. I want to relate to God with mercy and generosity and love. I want to relate to God with forgiveness coming back. So what does that mean? i got to give it. How did Paul write it? He said, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, what? That will he also reap. Now, sometimes we think of reaping. I do this too. I think of reaping as this is what's going to come back to me in this life. Well, maybe, but maybe what he's talking about is what's going to come back to me the day I stand before God. Maybe it's about when I'm standing before God and he says, okay, well, here's the scale. Here's the scale you used for everyone else. Whoa. Wait a minute. I don't want to be the judge. I don't want to be the jury. I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I want to try to be who he's asking me to be. I want to try to love those who are unlovable. Because that's what he did. Nobody would have looked at my life and said, you know, there's, here's, the, here's the really great attributes of Jackie. This is why I'm going to save him. Nobody would have done that. They wouldn't have done it. They'd have looked at me and said, what a, what a bum. What a good for nothing knucklehead. He don't deserve nothing. But God loved me there. And then it's wrong for me to withhold that from anyone else, isn't it? Isn't it wrong for me to take the same love and mercy and grace that God gave me and now say I can't give that to anybody else? I, wanna, I would rather stand in heaven having been too gracious, too forgiving, and too merciful. And have God say to me, you know what, Jackie, you're too gracious, too forgiving, too merciful. I'd rather have that. When I look at the things that Jesus is teaching and saying here, he moves from this concept, okay, hopefully I got the concept in your head, and he gives an illustration. Here's the illustration. I'm going to paint you a picture of what I'm talking about. What's that picture? He told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Yes, but not very well. Right? And if he leads them, he's probably not, they're probably not going where they want to go. Okay? Probably not. It says, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? Here's his point. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. You reflect the one whose teachings you follow. That's what Jesus is saying. 
You guys tracking with me? He's saying, man, this is the attitude of God. Here's how God is. God is, is loving like this. God is gracious and merciful like this. Trust me, He has not given us what we deserve. I hope you never see it. But one day when you do, you'll say, wow, that was way intense. He hasn't given us what we deserve so far. He's extended grace and mercy and an offering of salvation. He's done that from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation. If you think I'm crazy, come Wednesday mornings and we'll talk about it. 6 a.m. at my house. Okay, we'll sit down and work it out. But I want you to see God's done it from the beginning. All the way through. We're staying in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 6 right now. So if you want to try it out, there's your invitation. So we, we, we want to see this is God. So Jesus is saying, if you are blind and you're leading the blind, you're both going to fall in a ditch. You will reflect the teacher you follow. The question is, are you following Jesus or are you following a system? Do we get the difference? So often we come to the Bible and we define the Bible by our, our system. We all have systems. A Calvary Chapel system, Baptist system, Pentecostal system. We, I don't care. You, you fill in the gap. We all have a system. And we, and we often put our system glasses on to interpret the scripture. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to put system glasses on. We want to follow Jesus. Okay? We want to follow him. So we, we don't want to redefine terms based on a system, a system of teaching. Why? That's what the Pharisees were doing. Don't you see? The Pharisees were, were, were godly men. You and I would look at them and say, man, these guys are godly men. They want to be obedient to God. They want to follow what God says. And so in an effort to do so, they built a system. And their system began to, or, or became God, and they followed that system, and they lost the heart of God in the system. Is that not possible still today? Is it not possible for us to lose ourselves in a system that we're trying to regulate? We're trying, with, with a good attitude, right? Hey, I'm doing this because I want to help people, so I build this system. But then when the system becomes God, you lost the heart of it all. Man, I want to I wanna be able to follow God. I want to be like Him. Listen to what Jesus said. Matthew 15, 12 says, And the disciples came to Him and said, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? <coughs> he answered, Every plant that my Heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Leave them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, what happens? They'll both fall into pit. They don't look like my dad. In fact... Jesus would say, you are of your father, the devil. Their plan was to be children of God, wasn't it? That's how they started. But they became children of the devil. Why? Because they lost focus on those things we were talking about earlier. Blessed are the poor. The ones who know where they're at. Blessed are those who are able to have the heart of God. And loving their enemies. Not being judgmental. Not being hypercritical. Having the heart of God. Trusting God that God knows more than I know. And I'm going to trust that into God's hands. And I'm going, to, I'm going to be more worried about me than about everybody else. 
I'm going to be more worried about where I am. Look at Matthew 25, 15. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across the sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourself. Student becomes like the teacher. Are you following a system or are you following Jesus? Is it about Jesus? Him. Knowing Him. Loving Him. Following Him. Romans two seventeen to 24 says this, But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know His will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law... And if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Paul is saying, man, maybe we ought to turn that microscope the other way. Maybe we should take that magnifying glass off of our neighbor and put it on ourselves. Because all it does is distract us from teaching ourselves. We, we have things like we, we were talking about earlier, about the, the deal that went down in, in Florida, the tragedy that happened there. And we, we want an answer. We want a, who to blame. Who do we blame? Who do we blame? Who should we blame? Look in the mirror. That's who we blame. Me. Because I say all this stuff is wrong, but I still... Watch the movies. Oh, now come on, preacher. You can watch a violent act in a movie every two seconds. Oh, that's my favorite kind of movie to watch, by the way. My, my flesh is gratified by revenge. Vengeance. Other people getting what they deserve. Man, that just satisfies my flesh. And I don't complain. I just pay my ten bucks. I play the video games where you run around. I guarantee every one of those people on uh, talking to, 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 or, or carrying whatever their banner says doesn't make any difference. Every one of them are playing Call of Duty. I bet you can find their caller tag. They spend all day shooting each other. Do we do anything about that? No, come on, that doesn't have anything to do with it. Movies don't have anything to do with it. The things we read, the stuff we put into our body, the stuff we allow to be a part of our lives. When I was a kid, we played cowboys and Indians with sticks of wood out in the field. We didn't have no time to sit down in front of a screen watching bodies blow up 24-7. But now you can Oh, that's right. We'll blame Hollywood and we'll blame the video game makers. No, you turn the mirror on yourself. You and I are to blame. You who teach the law, don't you practice the same things? 
Aren't you doing the same things that the world is doing? Aren't we a part of the same system? Yeah. And as long as our nation and the world around us is busy pointing the finger at the bad guy across the street who has a different view than me, nothing's going to change. And they'll still kill kids. I don't know if this is true or not, something like 1,800 acts of violence since Columbine. Mass murder acts of violence. 1,800. That's not getting better. Whatever we're trying is not working. But what we do is we get critical of everything else and everyone else, and we don't turn the magnifying glass on me. And I don't look in my own heart and I say, wow, man, I, I keep feeding this violent nature within me. Who's to say I couldn't do something like that one day? Oh, come on. You really think in this kid, this 19-year-old kid, there's so much more evil in him than there is in you? That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the heart of man is deceitful and wicked above all things. That's, what, that's God's indictment of man's heart. Oh, but not my heart. That's all other men's hearts. <laughs> no, man, that's, that's our heart. When Jesus is coming to us in this section of Scripture, he's saying, guys... Don't judge other people. Do what? Judge yourself. Judge yourself. Look at those things in you. Focus. Self-evaluation. Self-reflection. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when we come to the table, the body and the blood of Christ, right? And we're receiving communion. What is it that God says? Each man judges neighbor. What's he say? He says, let a man do what? Examine himself. Look inside. Oh, Lord. And then lay those things out. Stop hiding them. Stop painting them up in pretty little boxes and decorating them on your shelf and all that. That's my malice. I keep it in a pretty box so it looks good on the outside. But inside, it's full of dead man's bones. I don't want to be the Pharisee. I want to be someone who's following the Lord. I want to be someone who's following Him. The things I teach, I want in me. James said, don't be hearers of the Word only, but I know what the Word says. I want to be someone who does it. I want to be someone who does it. I want to think about how I see others, how I think about others, right? This is the first paragraph that the Lord is laying out for us and explaining how we see others reflect us. I want to be careful of what I see. Look at verse 41. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye and you don't notice the log that is in your own? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself do not see the log that's in your own eye? You hypocrite, take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. What is he saying? Your perception is wrong. you got a big log in your eye. You don't see it all. You think you're able to pick the speck out of somebody else's eye. You think you're able to correct their false views. You think you're able to do all these things, but, but the Lord is saying, you got a log in your eye. You need to deal with that log first. You need to deal with the reality that your heart is wicked. And it needs to be in submission to Christ. 
We need to deal with those realities. Rather than saying, okay, I'm, I'm so, I can't hardly wait to go pick the speck out of somebody else's eye. So hurry up and get this log out of mine. Is that the point of the scripture? The point of the scripture is, why are you worried about something little when you got something big in your eye? Why are you worried about their little when you got something big in your life? Why are you worried about what's wrong with them instead of looking at yourself? Look at the Pharisees. They could tell everybody else who was unrighteous, everybody else who didn't have it together, everybody else who wasn't following their system, so they could judge whether or not they were right or wrong. And Jesus is saying, look, you're wasting all your time following this crazy system. If you turn that system on yourself, you might have a chance. Look in the mirror, see the reality of what is happening in my life. That's the only way I can be clear to do anything in my brother's eye is if I first have taken the log out of mine. One of, the, one of the initial keys that God talks about in a heart that is rightly submitted to God, a heart that has rightly found its place in the Lord, this will be the sign. That heart will be humble. Not proud. God says, I... Resist the proud, but I give grace to who? The humble. Man, I gotta be, that's how I know I'm good, that I have humility. Humility is not arrogant, humility is not full of pride and thinking I have the only hold on anything. I, I, humility is able to say, man, that could be me. I could have been that guy. If I had done something different, made a different choice today, I got a heart just like that that wants to see other people pay for the pain in my life. I got a heart just like that that wants to watch movies with other people paying for the pain in my life. I got a heart just like that that wants to play games where other people pay for the pain that's in my life. And then when I see somebody make someone else pay for the pain that's in their life, that's just a reflection of me. That's me. Man, I need to place my heart and life in submission to God and let Him change me. He's got to, he does it from the inside out, man. He does this incredible work within us, and we want to allow Him to do that. Remember I told you three paragraphs here. First one, what we think about others. So hopefully this has got you how we think about others. And I need to turn that thinking about others to thinking about me. Where am I? Where am I at? And then it's, what do we say? The second, the second paragraph, what do we say? This is how we'll be judged. What do we say? Look at, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorn bushes nor grapes picked from a bramble bush. A good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth... Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. How will I be judged? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Good tree, good fruit, bad tree, bad fruit. I tend to think... There are no good trees. 
think we start thinking about, well, I'm a good tree, I think we might miss some of what's going on. I'm a bramble. You guys would be pears and apple trees if you want. I'm a bramble. I'm a mess. I got stuff just... I don't know, man. I just got... I got... I got junk I still deal with, man. So, I recognize that if my heart's going to have good coming out of it, then I need to put something good in it, because it don't have it on its own. So how do I get something good in my heart? Well, I ask Jesus to take up residence there. I put something good in my heart. If I put something good in my heart, then I got a chance that some good fruit's going to come out, right? My wife, a long time ago, she said to me, I don't know if you got, most of you guys probably know my story, and I don't have 10 minutes, I can't tell you, so ask me later. But, but um, my wife once, she said to me, man, Jackie, I'm so glad you're not that guy no more. I'm so glad all those ways you broke my heart and hurt me in the past. I'm so glad that all that's done, and you're not that person. And I looked right in her eyes and said, I am absolutely that person. I'm still that guy. I'm still rotten inside i battle my flesh every cotton picking day if you think there's a day where you can just take the day off i'm not going to battle my flesh hams to do whatever i want that'll be a bad day for you i battle my flesh every day how is it that i'm able to be a new creation i'm a new creation created in who so i gotta be where in christ jesus as long as i'm in christ jesus i am new if that ever stops being true, I am what I am. Paul said that. I am what I am. He said, I'm a chief of sinners, but I am in Christ. Man, I'm new. I'm a bramble bush, but I'm capable of bearing fruit because Jesus Christ is at my core. He is the vine. I am the branches. I can only bear fruit if He's where? In my life. He's in my life. I can bear fruit. I can be fruitful because of Him, not because of me. Not because somewhere in me there's some th- something that somebody else don't have. Inside of me, Paul says, in my flesh there is nothing good that dwells. In my flesh there is nothing good. There's nothing good in my flesh. That needs to die. needs to be crucified. I'm going to be judged by what I say. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So my heart needs to be filled with Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. No corrupt word means no corrupt word. There's nothing tricky there, guys. Nothing corrupt out of your mouth. Corrupt things come out of my mouth all the time. How do I stop corrupt things from coming out of my mouth? It's not, I'm going to chew my tongue, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat soap, I'm going to put Dawn in my mouth every time I, I say something I shouldn't say or I'm critical of someone I shouldn't be critical of. No, what do I need to do? What do I need to change? It's out of my heart springs this, this wickedness or out of my heart springs this righteousness. But it's not mine, it's Christ, so I need more of Him. More of Him. I need, that's why I listen to Christian music. That's why I read Christian books. That's why I spend time in God's Word every day. That's why I'm constantly pouring that stuff in. Because that's what I want to come out. So i got to put it in. Jesus says, man, we're going to be judged on what we say. And if I have Him 
filling my heart, then my flesh will die. If I don't have Him filling my heart, then my flesh will rain. And I'll wake up at the end of a bad day saying, how did I make that choice? How many of you guys have heard a story about a preacher falling for uh, uh, moral issues? Cheated on his wife. Uh, you know, just recently I think they had another priest um, get charged with uh, child molestation. All those things. And uh, Do you think that's the aberration? That's just the weird All that is, is a man who allowed his flesh to reign for a day. If I let it reign, that's what it'll do. That's why Paul says, I mortify my flesh. There's not a stronger word for killing. I mortify my flesh. I I don't need any of this. I don't need any of the stuff inside of me. I don't need any of the stuff in here. I need more of the Lord. I need more of Him, bringing more of Him in, flooding more of Him through me. So I will be judged on the things I say, what comes out of my heart. The third thing, I'll be judged on the things I do. Verse 46, why do you call me Lord and not do the things I tell you? Do you ever hear that? Do you ever ever hear Jesus whisper that to you at night? Jackie, why do you call me Lord when you don't do what I say? Because when I do, I have a profession. I do not have possession. I told my wife for the first, I don't know, babe. You, you can grade me later. Five or seven or ten years of our marriage, I told her every day. I bet not one day went by I didn't tell her I loved her. But I did not love her once in the first ten years. You say whatever you want. It don't mean a thing. Why do you call me Lord and not do the things I say? Why do you say you love me, but you're not really loving me? Why do you say you believe in me, but you're not faithful to me? Why call me Lord? Why make the profession if you're not going to do what I said? What did he just say? Love your enemies. Do good to those who spitefully use you. Be merciful. Understand yourselves as poor. People in need of a Savior. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug it deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream broke against the house, it could not shake it (coughs) because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without foundation, when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell. Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Jesus says, here's what it's like. Everyone who comes to me and hears me and obeys me, his house is built upon the rock. And everyone who comes and hears me and does not obey me, his house is built on the sand. The flood's going to come to them both. The storm's going to blow. The struggle's going to come. 
Only one of those will stand. Only one of those will stand against the storm. Matthew seven twenty one. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will inherit the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Not the one who says, saying, I used to coach football at Tracy Vogelmore. His favorite saying was, we got the easy part over with. Coach, I promise I'll be on time tomorrow. You got the easy part over with. You'll be on time tomorrow. Hallelujah. We'll see. How do I know the difference between profession and possession? Tomorrow morning, 4 a.m. when it's time to show up for practice, boom, there you are. Woohoo! You're right. You're going to be on time. The word's the easy part. The hard part? Bowing the knee. Saying, I'm not going to live after my own gratification anymore. I'm going to live after yours. I'm not going to live wanting to deal with people the way I want to deal with people. I'm going to live dealing with them the way you say. I'm going to live, I'm going to take the things that you're teaching. I'm going to stop giving myself an excuse for why I don't have to do it. And I'm going to look into my heart and I'm going to ask you to make me like you. Because Jackie like Jackie is not good for nothing, but Jackie like Christ is. Feel free to put your name in the blank. If I'm surrendered to Christ, committed to Christ, then, then I'm capable, I'm able to be who it is that God wants me to be. Jesus said, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. That's a bad day. Definition of. Oh no, I, I did all these things. I followed a system. And that system, that system was, a, was, was the system was supposed to get me where I need to go. And all the while, it's not a system, it's a person. And we've talked about this. You can't have a relationship with a person you never talk to. You can't have a relationship with a person you never, you never read their letters. You can't have a relationship with a person you don't seek. You can't have a relationship with a person you don't want to know. You have a relationship with a person that you seek with all your heart. The Lord said, you'll find me when you seek me. You ain't found him. He says, you'll find me when you seek me. You'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. When this is what you want, when you want me. What's the point of this parable? He's saying obedience produces stability. Everyone who hears my word and does them, their house is stable. Obedience, following Christ. He said, come follow me. Everybody who followed him, everything wasn't great in their life. Everything didn't work out. Sometimes things still were a drag. But the end of the road, where did it end? With him. For how long? Forever. Is it good? Yeah. So good, Paul said, you can't even compare it with the things you've lost. What you have in Christ is so great, it's not even worthy to be compared. Not even worthy. Man, it's, it is amazing. Obedience avoids disaster. If I won't obey, is, is he my Lord? I won't follow him. We we can have the debate forever. You know what's 
lordship salvation or no lordship salvation or how's that look or what needs to happen or what, what happens to believe. Well, let's just say this. The Bible is full of scripture that talk about profession without possession. Meaning you say that you follow Christ, but you don't really. So let's stop making it easy and let's start saying, hey, you want to follow Christ? Then follow him. Be obedient to him. Hear the things he says. He's not, he's not sitting here telling you to do things he doesn't do. He's not telling you to love people he don't love. He's not telling you to, 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 to he, he, he wants you to reflect who he is. A disciple is like his teacher. A disciple is like his teacher. A follower is like the leader. Right? We start to bear those attributes. We want to see those things in our life. As Jesus is drawing his disciples, as he's beginning his ministry, he's preparing the hearts for the path that he's about to make, the the path that he's about to open for all who would enter into salvation. He's about to, to accomplish all of those things. In the midst of all, he says, man, be careful of your heart. Because your heart lies. Don't be deceived by your own heart. Don't be deceived by yourself. Be knowing. Be being filled with Him. Be in possession. And recognize like we talked about. We said, well, how do I know? How do I know if I'm in possession or I'm not in possession? Well, let me at least give you one of the marks, right? We talked about it earlier. Humility. Humility. Another one, love. Willingness to love others different than you. That seems like a good place to start. Could probably spend the rest of our life trying to handle those. We need more of Him and less of us. If we want to see our world transformed, our children safe, our lives better tomorrow than they were today, we need more of Him and less of us. We need bow the knee and follow the king. And when we say he's my Lord, that means I follow him. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the time we are gathered for an opportunity to study your word, God, an opportunity to maybe... Take a close look at ourselves. Where am I at? What's going on in my heart? What is coming out of me? How do I think about others? Because that's the way I'll be judged. What do I say? Because that tells me how my heart is. What do I do? Because that tells me if I'm legitimate. This is how I will be judged. Jesus is just giving us the numbers beforehand. He's laying it out for us. The same measure that I give will be measured back to me. God, make me merciful. Make me loving. Help me reflect who you are. Help me have the attitude that you have. Let my speech be seasoned with salt. 
Let the words that I say and the meditations of my heart be of you. May grace, mercy, and love be the things that my speech is seasoned with. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So may my speech reflect who is king. May my the things that I do, may they reflect who is my Lord. How I think about others, what I say, what I do. These things lay out for me if I am a professor or a possessor. God, I pray that each and every one of us would take a moment, a careful reflection, looking into the mirror of the truth of God's Word, recognizing the things that Your Word is laying out for us. Help us to see that which You're calling us to, God. Help us to recognize what it is that You want from us, and may we respond. May we respond to Your Word, for we don't want to be hearers only, but doers also. God, I pray that you would rule and reign in our lives and in this place as we lay this in your hands in Jesus' name. Amen.